Hello and welcome to the New Zealand Initiatives podcast. I'm Oliver Hartwig. I'm joined today by our chief economist, Eric Crampton. Hi, Eric. Good afternoon. We want to have a chat about GST. I really wish we didn't have to have a chat about GST. This is awful. But everybody's talking about GST these days. Where do we start? Well, um, some people say that um, there is never a tax cut that they don't like. This is a tax cut, but it's a terrible one. Why? It's terrible because it punches holes in the tax system that are bigger than any benefits that households get out of it. So normally you like tax cuts because not just that people get to keep more of their own money, they get to make their own decisions about what to do with it, but also because of the efficiencies that you get when people are spending their own money rather than government doing it for them, right? Okay, then maybe we should start at the beginning. Uh, What is this tax cut really? They say it's fresh and frozen but not in any way washed or anything like that, not processed. Yeah, so it, they've proposed cutting GST from fresh and frozen fruit and vegetables, but not pro- processed. So, What counts as processed? Well, that's a good question. I'm not quite sure yet. Uh, the tax experts will have to come up with some lines on this, and all of them will wind up proving contentious because it's easy to imagine the slope, right? So you start off, you've got a whole watermelon. That's obviously not processed. A whole watermelon's often too big. Sometimes uh, stores will sell them in halves, right? That's a form of processing, but you'd think that would be covered by the GST-free policy. Maybe if it's just a quarter, it's okay. Well, maybe a quarter, but what happens if they slice it into smaller bits and get what rid of the What if they dice pile? it? Well, yeah, right? So It's still fresh, kind of. It's still fresh, and if you've got cubed watermelon that's in a package... That probably wouldn't count because they, they'll come to some determination. It's probably likely. okay if it's in a bag, well, but, but not in a bowl. <laughs> well, they have to decide where to draw these lines, right? So one of the lines that they could draw is if something is prepared for immediate consumption or whether it's still kind of a grocery item where you're going to be doing stuff with it at home. So if, the, if they figure you can walk out of the store with it and just eat it from the container, then it's prepared for immediate consumption and you'd have a tax line that way. Except the frozen stuff is not for immediate consumption. Well... Uh, that would be a different line. Sometimes frozen is for immediate consumption. My daughter will eat frozen blueberries straight out of the bag. But um, a frozen popsicle, of course. Well, actually, that's kind of hard. to. Oh, no, sorry. Juice counts as processed, so it would still have GST. Frozen juice would also still have GST on it. But you wonder about where some, some of these lines might get drawn. So I was looking through our freezer this morning and bag of frozen peas, the only ingredient in it is peas. But of course, shelling them and cleaning them is a form of processing. I would expect that that would be GST exempt or zero rated. But when I looked at the bag of capsicums, they're sliced, which is also a form of processing, maybe a more intensive form of processing. But they were also, the other ingredient was a uh, water, um, some kind of water mix that they put on them so that, they're, that said they freeze better. Does that count as processing? It might, and yeah, who knows, right? And what about orange juice? The, the oranges are fine the moment you put them in a blender. Well, that's obviously processing, but there are you other things that are... real GST value out of just blending them. Uh, it, it, it's all kind of nuts. Uh, these uh, and, con- and they would be uh, GST-free nuts? Probably. I'm not sure. Almonds? I don't... <laughs> You have to ask Grant Robertson about this stuff, right? You remember back to the Australian debates when this stuff came in and they couldn't decide whether chicken would be covered or not, right? Okay, so the whole thing is obviously nonsense. 
Well, it's worse than nonsense. If it were just nonsense, it wouldn't be it's so bad. It's, it's costly nonsense. It pokes holes in government revenues that are bigger than the benefit that households get out of it. Again, where it, where it started, normally with a tax cut, well, the government gets a bit less revenue, but it doesn't lose as much money as you might have thought because economic activity increases, people are engaged in more productive activity, and government gets a bigger, uh, there's a bigger pie and it gets a smaller share of the pie, Right. With holes in GST, they're introducing distortions and nonsense and cost, so they lose more than you otherwise would have expected. And there is practically no expert on tax or economics in New Zealand who likes that idea. Well, it had one radio station call me up on Friday saying that they'd done a whip round looking for any if, if they could find a single economist who supported it, they couldn't. Uh, I saw reporting that at Sunday's announcement, like I couldn't bear to watch the thing, but I saw the reporting on it afterwards that a question was put to the prime minister if he could name a single economist who supported this, and he couldn't. Uh, I'd expect that you might find one or two financial journalists who sometimes call themselves economists or get called economists that might support it, but you're not going to find anybody who knows anything about tax that likes this. And you don't find any tax experts or tax lawyers either, except, I mean, they would be very self-interested to like it. Well, that's the fun bit, because all the tax experts who you who would wind up getting a ton more business having to deal with this mess, they're the ones who say, no, please, for God's sake, don't do this. But can, just think about it the other way, right? Like, how horrible would it be to spend your professional life having to decide and fight about whether... The capsicums in my freezer count as processed enough to still draw GST or not processed enough to draw GST. Uh, that's just going to be soul crushing. Like, you know that everything you're doing is complete waste. Yeah. And until about half a year ago, even Labour Party ministers knew that. Well, yeah. And uh, Hipkins had previously ruled it out as well, right? So, yeah, Hipkins and Robertson, of course. And there was a, somebody had found a fun tweet. I think it was Deborah Russell uh, in 2016 had replied to somebody on GST removal from foods, giving the obvious line on it. Well, no, this doesn't make any sense. It creates holes in tax system. It gives more financial benefit to higher income households to spend a lot of money on fruit and veg. It's not a good policy. Yeah. So this policy is obviously idiotic. But Labour can't even count properly, so they found another $240 million hole in this policy now. You would have thought it's relatively easy to design. I mean, even if it's idiotic, but it's easy to figure out how much it would cost. I'm not sure it's that easy to figure out how much it costs. So the the hole that you're talking about, apparently the initial drafts that were sent out to media didn't account for the first few months of the policies in, being in place. Uh, then full costs have, had to account for that. But... I wouldn't want to try and put a thumbsuck number on it because you can kind of guess right now how much money people spend on fruit and veg, but you don't have a clear idea of where the lines are going to be drawn and what's exempt and what isn't. The cost of litigation around that, how much IRD is going to have to spend on policy development and its own lawyers, and how people are going to respond to the changes that come in, right? So if there's... GST exemption on some items and GST not exempt on others. People will change their spending behaviors. That'll also have effects on the tax take. It'll be a complicated mess to figure that out. Meanwhile, I think 80% of Labour voters or something like that said they supported the policy. And that's probably the only reason why the government is keen to pursue it. Well, I... <laughs> 
Potentially, I also wonder though, like what what announcement didn't we get on Sunday that you might have been expecting? So if we go back to at budget time before the before the budget, there uh, you get media folks saying, okay, well, what do you think might be in the budget? Say, so, okay, well, maybe they're going to start foreshadowing finally an inflation indexing of the tax thresholds. Okay, that didn't show up. Well, nope. they're going to have a big tax announcement on a Sunday before the election. What do you think might happen? Well. Okay, everybody's been talking about GST. Everybody forgot that the government has not indexed the tax thresholds. They haven't been adjusted since 2010. Well, they can't afford it. Well, it's fun because if you move the... Okay, if you just use CPI inflation from 2017 when labor came in, the $14,000 tax threshold would go up to $17,000. you would get an extra $210 a year out of that, which is about as much as the government thinks that people are going to save from taking GST off of fruit and veg. Now, of course, you'll also have inflation adjustments to the higher thresholds that would give more money back. But we had this big sideshow where waving lots of flags and banners around GST off of food, which saves you a trivial amount of money relative to the huge amount that they're taking out of out of your pocket with inflation because they've never adjusted the tax thresholds. And it is a trivial amount of money because by some calculations, the average household will gain as much as a kumara per week. Yeah, I saw some estimates of $20 per household per, yeah, it wasn't per month or something. Yeah, it was really not much. Okay, um... Shall we try to talk tax incidents? Um, It's complicated, but yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fully aware of the complications. I want to keep it as simple as possible because we have other people than economists on the podcast. So um, what is tax incidents? Tax incidents tells you the proportion of the burden of a tax or of a subsidy or of a regulation that falls on the buyers as compared to the sellers. Okay, in very simple terms. I'm going to break it down to very simple terms. So I gave the... the more precise definition first, so economists don't think I'm full of crap and don't know what I'm talking about. Yep. Now I'll try and make it a little bit simpler. So just let, let's imagine broccoli. Okay, so imagine Broccoli. That, yes, broccoli. Okay. It's, it's supposed to be G, GST exempt because it's fresh fruit. Now we've had a cyclone that hit a lot of places that grow broccoli. Let's imagine for the sake of argument that there were no more broccoli that could be grown in a hurry, right? We've had this, this cyclone, it's affected things, and no more could be imported. We've got a fixed amount of broccoli. Just imagine, for sake of our thought experiment right now, okay? Lucky us. Yep. Yes, lucky It's us. just broccoli. Well, I, I like broccoli. Well, <laughs> kind of. Anyway, there's a fixed amount of broccoli. If the government takes GST off of it, well, people start buying more of it because it's now relatively cheaper than it had been. The supermarkets see that their supplies are depleting. They go back to their suppliers and say, we'd like to buy more broccoli. And, and the suppliers say, none. well, we've already, you've had scheduled orders for the next year and we've only got so much production. We can't increase it. There's a fixed amount. And the other supermarket has already started bidding for more of this. Well, what happens? The price of broccoli bids back up to the price point that consumers were at before. And instead of having GST revenue going to the government, you've got extra money going to whoever owns whatever is in fairly fixed supply. Now, that's an extreme case where supply is perfectly inelastic. If supply is perfectly inelastic and can't respond with to price changes, then it's the supply side, which isn't just the supermarkets, but it's all the way back to where the bottlenecks are, that enjoys the benefit of the tax reduction. 
if you switch it to something that's perfectly elastic and consumers are fairly inelastic, then consumers get the main benefit out of it. The statutory incidents, by which you mean like who pays the tax, that really doesn't matter as much as the economic incidence, which is determined only by these relative elasticities. So you'll see this sometimes framed as, oh, the supermarkets are just going to take it, and the supermarkets are the bad guys, and we need the grocery commissioner to keep hitting them with a big stick. Well, in that broccoli case that I just gave you, you'd see no change in the price of broccoli from the consumer side and no extra supermarket profits out of it, right? It's, It's the further upstream producers that end up with the benefits of it, but you'd still have the grocery commissioner beating them up for it because there'll be lots of outraged consumers that the price of broccoli didn't go down by 15%. Or sorry, right. one over 1.15. So we'll have a GST cut, but it is impossible to predict in advance who will actually benefit from it economically. Could be the consumers as intended, could be supermarkets somehow, could be suppliers. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to say it's impossible. I'm saying that it's more work than I care to try and undertake. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, but since it's across such a broad category of products, um, it would take an awful amount of calculation in advance to figure out where it's going to be. Well, I wish the uh, grocery regulator an awful lot of luck here because they're going to be getting people complaining whenever the price increase, price reduction is less than you'd expect from GST and the supermarkets putting up their receipts showing how much they're having to pay suppliers. It, they're they're going to be stuck in the middle right there. They're going to be needing for populist pressure to beat up on the supermarkets, but they're not going to have good cause for doing it. Yep. So the whole policy is rubbish, nonsense from A to Z. Well, yeah, there is no good economic argument for doing this. Any benefit that you're trying to get out of well, leaving households with more money, with more disposable income, well, you'd do better at that by finally inflation adjusting the income tax threshold so that people would have more money or mm-hmm. just give poor people money. I'd had a check on this, right? So if you're on benefits, even if you're on benefits, unless you're like an 18 or a 19 year old on job seeker benefit living at home, you are getting more per year before tax than the $17,000, which would be the inflation adjusted bottom tax bracket. So if you just adjusted the 14,000 bracket up to 17,000, you would be giving an extra 210 bucks a year to everybody who's in that threshold, right? And it, rather than causing harm to the tax system, you would be fixing something that needed to be fixed. Right. And as we said before, our politicians know about all of this and they're doing it regardless because they know that some people are gullible enough to fall for these policy ideas. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it is easy to forgive a politician going ahead with a stupid policy if the politician doesn't know it's stupid. But if politicians actually have previously given us reason to believe that they know it's stupid and they're doing it anyway, that is malice. Well, yeah, it's uh, pretty harmful. That's reckless behavior, right? Well, you start thinking about the Financial Conduct Act, right? Where if, say that a bank or a a loan provider were doing something that they knew were in the consumer's worst interest, that that the consumer's just not... not very sharp, not very savvy. We can pull the wool over their eyes and make them pay a whole pile of fees and stuff that they would never have agreed to. We can hide it. We can screw them over. Well, that, that'll get them in trouble, right? But yep. here we've got Hipkins doing exactly the same thing, betting that voters are too thick to figure out how GST works. We need something equivalent to the Financial Conduct Authority kind of regulations on politicians when they're taking advantage of voters in this way. You tweeted over the weekend. Is it still tweeted, by the way, or you X'd? I still say tweeted. Okay, so you tweeted that either Hipkins is an idiot or he thinks Hipkins, or, or Hipkins thinks that voters are idiots. Which one is it? Well, it's 
it's the latter. Like Hipkins knows that this is dumb. Uh, but you could argue about whether he's kind of a meta stupid in pulling this move in the first place. Cause it, it introduces vulnerabilities into the tax system. It's going to cause all kinds of problems. Uh, I keep remembering the old uh, Mencken quote that democracy is the, th- the theory that the common man knows what he wants and deserves to get it good and hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worry that we might wind up getting it good and hard in this case. I think you might be right. Um, but in any case, uh, it was just the beginning of the election campaign. We've got another eight or nine weeks of that. Oh, cr- I know. But for now, thank you, Eric. Thanks, Oliver. Oh.